If you've not been with us for the past few weeks, you may not know that we are in week seven of an eight-week series over 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13. Chapter 12 focused primarily on spiritual gifts. We might remember Paul describes the church as a body with many parts, and this whole dynamic helps us understand that each of us is a part of the body of Christ, and we are crucial to the health and the vitality of the church. Now, last week we moved into chapter 13, and so let me invite you to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 if you don't already have it open. Uh, We know this chapter. Many of us uh, have heard this chapter many, many times, Uh, but we're slowing down this uh, season, and we're taking three weeks to walk through the chapter, really focusing on every phrase. Now, the first three verses of chapter 13, this is what we talked about last week. Paul tells us that we can do great acts of faith. But if we do them without love, then they are nothing, Paul says. They're worthless. In other words, motivation behind these deeds is important. And even extreme acts of service, like giving our bodies up for hardship, are worthless without love, without agape love. Now, before we dive into today's verses, let me make just a few comments about the word love. And we covered this last week, but in case you missed it, I wanted to mention this again. Love is an overused and often misunderstood word in our world today. Uh, many languages have more than one word for love because there's so many different nuances in that word love. And In fact, Greek or ancient Greek, the, the language in which the Bible was written has three words for love. The first word is the word phileo. It has to do with friendship sort of love. Uh, We get the, 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 the city Philadelphia, the city of what? Brotherly love. That comes from that word phileo. The second word is the word eros, and it has to do with romantic sort of love. I think that's what we often think of love. We, we think of Valentine's Day, right, with hearts and chocolate and all of that sort of thing. But the third word really has nothing to do with the first two words. It is a whole different kind of love. It is the word agape. And so you're going to hear me say agape love because that's the word in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's about giving up of oneself for another. It's about sacrificing, putting the other first. And this is the phrase that is used throughout 1 Corinthians chapter 13, or the word that is used throughout 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So I'm going to read these verses today, verses 4 through 7 of 1 Corinthians 13, and then we're going to spend time together today kind of digging into each phrase. But let's hear the whole passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It, It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And we'll stop there for today. Now, we've been talking about love, and agape love has many different nuances, many different ways of talking about it. But Paul specifically tells us love is, and then he names a few descriptors, and then he says love is not to help us truly understand it. Now the first phrases describe love as patient and kind. How many of you ever heard that phrase before? Love is patient and kind, right? It's almost tattooed on our minds, right, as Christians. We've heard it so many times. But let's think about these two words for just a moment. Being patient 
really is a passive sort of thing, isn't it? Something's happening to us. We're in the long line at Wegmans, right? And we have to be patient. We're doing something that we don't want to do, and it seems to be lasting longer than we had hoped, and we have to be patient, right? Someone is talking to us, and they're going on and on and on, and you don't want to be rude, so you listen and you are patient, right? What does it mean to be patient? The the King James Version translates that Greek word as suffereth long, now, we don't, we don't talk like that in 2023, but I love that translation because that's what being patient really is all about, isn't it? It's suffering uh, long. The second word, scholars tell us, is an active sort of word. To be patient is to suffer, right? But to, to be kind is to be active, to actively seek the good of someone else, to actively do some sort of deed that helps another. That's what it means to be kind. And I love how Paul is writing these words to be patient and to be kind, but Paul in other places describes God as patient and kind. Do you notice that? In Romans chapter 2, Paul says, and do you show contempt for the riches of, talking about God, God's kindness, God's forbearance and patience not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. In other words, God is patient with us, and so we should be patient with others. God is kind to us, and in the same way as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we should be kind to others. This is what agape love looks like. And then Paul begins to describe what love is not. And I think that when Paul is penning these words, he's thinking of the church in Corinth because they are exhibiting all of these characteristics. But Paul wants them to know that these sorts of behaviors do not equate to agape love. And let's look at what he says love is not. The first one in verse 4 says it does not envy. Now, this word, and again, this is originally written in Greek, so we have to look at the Greek word here. This word appeared in the third chapter of this letter. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, Are you still worldly? For since there is jealousy, that's the same Greek word as envy, and quarreling among you, are you not worldly, Paul says? Are you not acting like mere humans? You see, to be envious or to be jealous is not in line with what it means to love. Now the word here envy is often used uh, in a conjunction with another word that has to do with quarreling. The ESV translates it as strife and so to be jealous or to be envious is always to be in a quarrel with someone else, right? Because you want what they have. You are jealous of them. You are envying them and they are over and against you. That's how we see it here. And envy produces strife. Envy seeks to destroy the other to get ahead. Envy is about wishing that you have what the other has. And there's every indication that this is what's going on in the church in Corinth. In fact, all of these knots apply to that church. Well, let's just pause for a moment here. You know, we live in a world where everybody seems to be against something. Bumper stickers and yard yard signs are ways in which our culture yells at the other side. Envy is closely related to quarreling. And if envy and quarreling mark our posture and demeanor as Christians, I think we need to pause and consider how we're behaving. It certainly seems that the way of Jesus is one that respects the other, that loves the other, that tries to bring the other in. 
And agape love is not envious or quarrelsome. The next phrase, verse 4. It does not boast. Now, this is actually a rare Greek word. It's seldom used in the Bible. And it literally means to be a bragger or a windbag. I like that, a windbag. It's about calling attention to oneself. And Paul's already addressed how, how the believers in Corinth, many of them are working to be super spiritual, right? They're speaking in tongues and they're focusing on that gift and they're putting everybody else down. They're all about attention, all about bragging, all about saying, look how spiritual I am, right? And Paul says, that's not agape love. Agape love does not boast. It does not draw attention to oneself. And then the third not in verse 4, it is not proud. Now, boastful and being proud might seem like the same thing, but these are two different Greek words here. To be proud literally means to be puffed up. We might use the word arrogant in 2023, right? Love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it is not proud. Moving on to verse 5, it does not dishonor others. Another translation, the ESV translates this Greek word as rude. It's not rude, have you heard that? Yeah, so what does that mean? It might seem subjective to say what is polite, what is rude. But I think the NIV translation really gets at the heart of it here. It's about dishonoring someone else. That's rude when you dishonor someone else. That word is used in chapter 11 as Paul describes women covering their heads and not dishonoring themselves. It's also used as an example of the wealthy believers in chapter 11 dishonoring the poorer believers because they are feasting at the Lord's Supper while the poor believers are going without. And Paul says, you're dishonoring one another. He even says, you are humiliating them. He says in chapter 11, verse 22, do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you, Paul says? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. You see, Paul is speaking directly to the church at Corinth. He says, you're being rude to each other. You are dishonoring one another. And it's not agape love. It's not how God loves us. Verse 5 also says it's not self-seeking. ESV translates this phrase, it does not insist on its own way. I love that translation. It doesn't say, I'm going to have it my way, like Burger King tells us that we can have our Whopper, right? You know, we're told in our world today we should have it just like we want it, right? Especially as the holiday season steps into full gear here, you're going to hear ads telling you that you deserve it, right? Telling you that you should have it like you want it. That's a part of our culture. And there could not be a more counter-cultural message than to say to each one of us, it is not about you. It's about the other person. And that's a very Christian way of thinking. It's what agape love is truly all about. Gordon Fee puts it this way in his commentary on 1 Corinthians. He says, it does not seek its own. It does not believe that, quote, finding oneself, end quote, is the highest good. It is not enamored with self-gain, self-justification, self-worth. To the contrary, it seeks the good of one's neighbor. That's what agape love looks like. Next phrase, verse 5. 
it's not easily angered. Now, this word angered here has two different uh, voices. It has an active voice and a passive voice in the Greek. In the active voice, it is about provoking someone to anger. But in the passive voice, it is about how we respond when someone makes us angry, right? And so there's two different dynamics there. I think the latter certainly ties in with that first description of love, being patient, right? Suffereth long, not getting angry when something happens, maybe outside of our control. And how do we respond? Love does not respond in anger. And then the final phrase in verse 5, it keeps no record of wrongs. This Greek word is actually an accounting word that has to do with putting something on one's account. So you go in and you begin to eat at a restaurant, right? And you are ordering off a menu, and guess what's happening every time you order something? It's being put on an account, and then at the end, you get a bill, right? And you have to pay for that tab, if you will. Every piece that you ordered was put on your account. And when it comes to sin, when it comes to wrongdoing, we all have a way of keeping a record of wrongs, right? We see a person who's mistreated us and we remember what they did. That's keeping a record of wrongs. But we're told that agape love keeps no record of wrongs. Again, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, speaking of God, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. What does it say? Not counting people's sins against them. In other, word, in other words, when the check comes, it's blank. God has forgiven us of our sins. And as followers of God, we should be doing the same thing. We might say agape love has a short memory, right? It doesn't keep record of wrongs. Verse 6, the language shifts a bit. It says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Now, this is a packed phrase. We could spend a whole sermon talking about this. But what does it mean to rejoice in evil? If I said to you, do you rejoice in evil? Most of us are going to say no, right? We don't like evil. We hate evil. But what does that mean? Maybe you think of global forms of evil, like war and the mistreatment of the poor. Maybe you think of greed or even human trafficking. Agape love does not delight in evil. We might also think of evil in terms of personal interactions with one another. When someone is mistreated, right? Or someone is robbed or someone is taken advantage of. Those things are evil and we are not in line with that when we are loving. And then the second part of the phrase is, but rejoices with the truth. What is the truth, you might say? You might remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the truth. And you might remember when Jesus stood before Pilate. Pilate said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Verse 37 of John chapter 18, Jesus responded to him and said, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason that I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That's what Jesus said. And you remember what Pilate said to Jesus then? Pilate said, What is truth? (laughs) It's a great question, isn't it? I mean, some people are still asking that question today. What is truth? Truth is Jesus. Jesus is truth. And here Paul tells us that agape love 
rejoices with the truth. Verse 7, then we have four always statements. The NIV says, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. At all times, every time, love does this. Listen to the ESV translation. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What a powerful few verses, right? Wouldn't you agree? It's often been said that these verses represent Jesus. Right, And that we could even substitute Jesus' name here when we read these verses for love. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres sounds a lot like Jesus doesn't it and you might even say that as followers of Jesus you could substitute your name for love here's your homework go home take this passage and put your name there and read it you might find out or it might convict you and you might say ah I'm not always that and I think that's the point right As we read this passage, it should challenge us. It should help us. It should reveal to us those times and those places when we don't love. We would all agree that God loves us. And we would all agree that as followers of God, we should be a people of agape love. But are we always? Do we truly mirror this sort of attitude and posture each and every day? You know, as a pastor, I get to read this passage all week. And let me tell you, this one has been a convicting week. Because I'm not always loving. But I'm told that I should be. And I need to be. And because God is, as Beth read, we should be a people of love. I want to read this passage one more time in closing. And just listen to these words. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres. What might God be saying to us today? Would you pray with me? God, we're grateful this morning for your word. May it challenge us to be a people who exhibit agape love. God, we know that in the first century the church was known as a people of love. God, may we be the same way to our world around us. We love you and praise you and thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen.